Pastor John, he's on vacation, right? And he said, hey, would you tell the church what you do at Vision? Um, I said, yes, I will. Um, so Casey and I and some others, uh, we, re- we lead this group called Vision. It's like our college-aged group. So I kind of wanted to discuss what we do. It's on Thursday nights at 7.30. Um, and we have cool music and coffee because supposedly you're supposed to like that when you go to college. But no one does, but that's, that's it, yeah. So, but before we get into it, um, I kind of want to discuss where we came from, how we started. Um, Casey and I, we met in high school. We met in the high school group and um, started doing ministry basically right away early on in our relationship. Um, and we've been doing youth ministry for like eight plus years, something like that. Um, so when we got married, we were still doing ministry, still doing ministry, and it became very taxing on us because we felt that we were adding the, our marriage to the ministry as opposed to the other way around. We didn't feel like we had the, uh, the foundation that we thought we had um, because we, we knew how to do ministry, or so we thought, but we didn't really know how to be married yet. Um, so we took a break from ministry, not each other. I was like, whoa, that could come off very wrong. Um, so we took a break from ministry for about a year and a half, and that's when we started going to uh, one of the small groups here, the Young's Married Group small group. And it was fantastic. It changed our marriage dramatically. Um, it showed us how, how to communicate better. Um, it, it helped out our prayer life because we didn't before. Um, and it just definitely took us to that next step. And we can't thank Danny and Romy enough for leading such a fantastic group. When we started that group, started going to it, we were at this place in our life where we said, we cannot do one more thing. I cannot carry one more thing. Everything we start or are a part of, we end up leading in some way, can't do it. So we just had to go and be fed, and it was fantastic. And it, it, it developed us as, as a couple where we were able to now take on more strenuous activities um, as far as ministry goes. So about a year and a half through the, the group, we decided, you know, we're pumped, we're ready to go again, we're ready to jump back into ministry. And uh, so we started back up at the youth group. We were helping out and doing our thing like we do. And we said, you know, we, we need to start some sort of in-home group for the college-aged people at our church. Because the same reason it's creepy that, like, 21-year-olds go to prom is the same that it's creepy that 21-year-olds go to youth group. And we wanted to fix that because we don't want any creepiness going on. Because... <laughs> Bold and our high school group is designed for high schoolers. But we had these, these 19, 20-somethings staying there because there was nowhere to go. So we said, all right, I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll start something in our, in our living room. You know, we'll just talk about God and stuff and how we can move forward. And, and all that good stuff, you know, yeah, it'll be cool. We're just kind of talking about it. And then we found out that, that Rachel and Kelly, who were youth leaders at the time, they were thinking about starting a college group. So we said, well, let's, let's combine forces and, and wreck shop. And then here's the cool part. Was then I went to uh, Pastor John, and I said, hey, Pastor John, we're thinking about starting a college group. And he said, that's fantastic, because I've been praying for a leader for this, for this age group, because we have nothing. I said, well, that's cool. And where it's really cool is because... What? You want to say? Uh, where it's really cool is because... 
we've gone through struggles since we started this group. We started last October, and we've already gone through struggles. We've already gone through issues where it's like, man, maybe we're not called to this. Maybe God isn't blessing this. And we can look back at that exact moment and say, no, we were. All these things fell together in such a, a fantastic manner. It was, it was great to be a part of. At that time in my life, people would be like, hey, man, how's life? And it's, it's really cool to be part of God moving, was my answer. Because sometimes we feel like we're like on the sidelines or something. And at that time, it was just, yeah, God, whatever you have for me, whatever, let's do it. So that's when we decided to start. And it was really cool because there was a definite need. Here's the statistics. It's, it's actually shocking. 65% of graduating seniors stop going to church. So we, we, we build up these students and we say, these are like tools that you're going to need for the rest of your life. And hey, keep on growing. And they go, nope. And they take off. And then what ends up happening is then they grow up and they start raising their children unchurched. And we, we, we need a foundation in, in, in these people's lives. In all of our lives, we need this foundation. We need this continual learning and this continual growing. So we said, all right, let's do this group. Let's do it full force. And our goal was to make it a legitimate church service because people of that age group don't tend to connect with, with Sunday morning church. And that's because we call it our college slash career group. Okay, and it's like, okay, that, that encompasses everybody in that range. But we don't say the college part usually, so then it's just college group. And then people go, well, I didn't go to college I don't go to college. I didn't even graduate high school. I'm too old for college or whatever it is. So it, it ends up making these barriers and it ends up becoming a way that people don't feel like they're welcome. Everybody's welcome unless you're not graduated high school or past. Anyway, so we had to call it our 18 plus group. Okay, yeah, that's clever, fancy. I'm like, yeah, I'm genius. But the problem with that is, is the graduating seniors aren't 18 typically. So I go, okay, well, it's our 17 plus group. There, we've got it. And we go, well, not really, because graduating seniors are 17, but they are also 17 when they're in, like, their senior year. So then we call it our 17 and a half plus group. (laughs) It's the only time that it matters that you say and a half anymore. Before it was like, I'm not 10, I'm 10 and a half. Like, okay, I get it. But see, this age group is so difficult to define because there is no cutoff. I still feel like I'm 16. It's just what happens, right? So there's no cutoff. So, so these people, th- there's nothing to stop them. And there's nothing that says, hey, we're all the same. Because some of the people that go to our group haven't graduated high school. Some people that go to our group want kids. Some are in the process of becoming married. Some are married. Some have, are already in their, um, in their thing that you do for your job forever. The career. <laughs> because we're a college career group. They are already on there. And some people don't have a job at all. So there's this, with this melting pot of, of people who don't belong. And, and so then they come to your typical church service after being in these high school groups and go, I don't connect here. So we are trying very, very hard to make sure that that age group does not get missed. 
Um, so this is what we do. This is, this is what we do that says, hey, we're legitimate church. We, we do it. As we have, did it move yet? There we go. Ooh, it does it all on its own. Um, we, we have worship. When we first started planning our group, we said, okay, what are we going to have? We're going to have this, we're going to have that. And one of the consensuses was that we needed worship. Now, we're v- very strong in believing that music is not the only way to worship, but it's the, the most easy to sustain. Because a lot of songs are already written, you basically learn the songs, and you can keep on going, and, and we can keep going forward. Now, we do try to experiment with different types, say prayer and, and um, affirmation and different things like that that we do for each other. But, but, but worship, the musical part, is, is the main way that we did that. And since I play guitar, I'm usually the one that go, hey, you do that. And I'm like, okay, oh, I, I can't sing. <laughs> right? So I said, you know what, guys? I, we can't be starting this group and thinking about the administration part, thinking about how we follow up, planning a message every week. We, I, we, I can't take on the music part. I said, okay, that's great. We have these people that have volunteered to help us out. Fantastic. So they did it, and they were diligent. Um, every week had it prepared. Every week had something planned and, and all the words up on the screen, everything. I didn't have to do anything. It was fantastic. So we got everything rolling, and about the six-month mark, Six, sixth month mark, we kind of approached a, a, a time where every aspect of the group was now up and running and needed a little kick forward. We needed to uh, step every aspect up, and that was approached to the worship part of it, and, and I had been coaching their leader for a while about, hey, this is kind of things I want to see change, and these are things that, that I want to see our group led in, and um, at that same time, they decided that they didn't want to do it anymore. So what ended up happening was Joey, who actually leads our, our junior high, high school group on Sunday mornings. He does a shelf. He just came up to me in casual hanging out saying, hey, I feel called to lead worship now. I said, really? You want to lead worship at Vision? He goes, sure, yeah, let's try it. And it started out just he and his wife, John Via, singing with acoustic guitar. And he was like, oh, cool, this is fantastic. And, it's, and it has moved on in such a fabulous way. Um, because here's the thing, with, with this age group, we, we have a difficulty connecting, like I said, right, in, in this general Sunday morning atmosphere, and that includes the music. Not that the music is bad or lame or whatever, we just don't connect with that type of music. So we have a bunch of, of these college-aged people going, cool, it's worship time. I think I'm supposed to sing, so we'll sing. And, and, it, and it was very awkward. And we have moved as a group to a place where we are all in a corporate way worshiping together. And it is fantastic to watch. And it's even better because I didn't have to do anything. And it's not resting on my shoulders. We just have been listening to the Holy Spirit move. And it's, it's like one of the greatest joys in my life to watch, watch our group worship God and connect. And we're always pushing the bar, always trying to move forward in it. And... Um, they're awesome, so I'm excited about them. Now, the other thing that we do to make it legitimate church is the teaching part. I'm the main teacher, and it's been very difficult because we tend to have our pet topics that we like to talk about. It's very easy for me to talk about X, Y, and Z, and I could talk about them forever, but people get bored, and then we run out of ideas. And the truth is that I'm not very clever. The way that we actually got the name Vision, it's, it's very... Oh, I'm, thinker. 
We had a piece of paper that said, what's our vision? The top just said vision. And then it said name, and it had a blank spot. And I'm sitting there looking at this blank spot for, like, weeks. Let's just call it vision, because they're right next to each other. Done. And that's how we came up with their name. So I'm not clever enough to, to plan a message every week that's, that's hip, that's cool, that, that's relevant. It's, it's difficult. And what God has had to do in my life is say, hey, just rely on my word. Just rely on me and, and teach out of that. But what a novel concept, God. Good job. So I've been in an area where I've been able to just, just go through Scripture and, and, and teach life application out of it. And it's been fantastic. Um, and it's really cool because after we're done with the series, we you know, do some recap. We've gone through a ton of Scripture. Just like, man, you guys should be really smart and be able to just do anything now because we just go through loads and loads and loads of Scripture. And to be honest, when I'm teaching out of Scripture, it goes better. When someone's like, hey, teach on the topic of holiness. It's very difficult, but when it's just like, what did Jesus say here and talk about it? It's like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Even though Jesus might have talked about holiness, but at least I'm taking it from him. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. I apologize. So, that's the teaching aspect. And then we have a group discussion. Now, the group discussion is where the meat is. That's where the group actually thrives. That's where we actually get some real ministry done. Because the music and the teaching part is a front. And so people go in and go, so you do have church here. You've got music and you talk about stuff. We go, yes, we do. And that's, that's what makes us legitimate. But after all that's done, you know, we do our worship, we, we I talk, and everyone goes, oh, good job. And I'm like, thank you very much. Right? Then we say, now let's do a group discussion. People are like, what? You, you want me to participate? Yeah, we do. We want you to participate. We, we all want to be sharing in each other's lives. So recently we talked about the idea of covering up our deceitfulness with our religion. And that's a heavy topic. And then people are able to say, yeah, I do that. Nice. To say, yeah, I'm very deceitful. And then the rest of the group is able to say, hey, how can we help you out with that? How can we move you forward in that? We're able to come with our struggles, everything like that. It's, it's a fantastic part. And it's even better because it's not always there. Sometimes the mood that I feel the Spirit is leading us in says, hey, we just need to reflect on the message. We don't need to talk about it and stuff. So it's this, this nice treat where real ministry starts to happen. And um, that's the part that, again, I don't have anything to do with it, and it just works. It's great. And then the last thing we do, or try to do, is get my remote to work and do outreach. We're very passionate about reaching the community outside the church. Because we know that in Jeremiah 29, God says to his people, Hey, if you care about the welfare of the people around you, then you will find peace. And we say, hey, follow Christ. You'll have peace in your life. And the way that we actually get that peace is by praying for the lost and reaching out to the lost. It's ridiculous how many scriptures there are about Christ coming and dying for the sinner. Not for the people that have already got it. And we tend to forget that. And so as vision, we really want to see the city around us being impacted. We want to quit what we're doing eventually and have the community go, oh man, they were so cool. They gave us food or whatever it may be. We want to have an impact that says we love 
the lost. Now, all this has to do with something. It's up there, and it's been up there the whole time. It has to do with connection, about how we're connected with God and, and different aspects about that. Let me read what Jesus says in John. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Last time I read the Gospel of John, I was amazed at how many times Christ says, Abide in me. It's ridiculous. You're like, all right, God, we get it. You want us to, like, abide in you. And he says, you don't get it, because you don't. You go, okay. And the only thing he says more than that is truly, truly, but that's not fair because he says it twice. So it's like, okay, truly, truly abide in you. We get it. But this, this picture he has here is he says, a branch of itself is a stick, does nothing but hit people. And he says, but when it's grafted in, when it's connected into the vine... Then we see fruit, and we say, yeah, I want fruit in my life. He says, well, apart from me, you can do nothing. He said, okay, then I want to, be, want to be connected. I don't want to be a stick that just hits people. Okay. And then so then, so then we say, okay, well, we've got to pray. We have to, you know, fast, um, worship, whatever these things are that, that connect us to Christ. And we start thinking about, okay, God, you know, I'm going I'm to pray four hours a day, and I'm going to fast all day, and I'm going to worship all this and, and read the Bible for 30 hours a day and I'm just going to be connected to you. You know, and I'm going to be closed off and, and just, just Satan's flaming arrow has got nothing on me because I'm so connected to you, right? You're just totally protected. But we end up building up this protection to a point where, where we're unable to be touched and vice versa, we're unable to touch anybody else. And that's actually true disconnect. So, so those things, praying, all fantastic because we want to be connected to God, but if we solely rely on those, then it's, it's going to be a true disconnect. In Hebrews, it says this, let us, uh, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's your staple go-to-church scripture. If anyone says, hey, you should go to church, they quote this. And I think it's talking about something way deeper than, hey, you need to go to church. Because you don't have to. No. So anyway, so, but I think the meat is actually in verse 24. He says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That is much deeper than, hey, go to church every Sunday. Oh, yeah. And pray and, and fast and read your Bible. It's not just one more thing to add to the list. It's actually a lifestyle that says, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And we need to be in a connected relationship in order to do that. And I feel that we all want to be spurred on. It's those times where you start feeling down that you're like, I got nothing. Where someone comes along and goes, hey man, let's go feed the homeless or something. Yeah, I could do that. I can make up bunch of box lunches and hand them out. Yeah, we could do that. And, you know, so-and-so is, is feeling down. Let's go hang out with them. Yeah, let's go do that. And there's this, there's this accountability. There's this moving forward together and that connectiveness that actually this one connects us up into the vertical, right? There's like two things and stuff. Anyway, so there's this guy that said this thing. He said, let us diligently and attentively consider each other's trials difficulties, and weaknesses. 
fill for each other and excite each other to an increase of love to God and man. And as proof of it, to be fruitful in good works. Saying, diligently take care of each other's trials. Be looking out for one another. And, and that is encouraging to me. Because a lot of times we feel like we're doing it alone. And if there is that person there to say, hey, I've got your back. Then we're able to move forward. And when we actually are seeing this in our life, we're going to see these good works overflowing. We're going to see these fruits. And then that way we know we're connected. Right? There's this whole train, this whole thing we're going through. Now look what Jesus says in John 13. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So he's saying, hey, if you guys are loving each other and building each other up, then you're going to know that you're my disciple and the world's going to know that you're my disciple. And a lot of times I have to double check myself. Man, am I really following after Christ? Am I really abiding in Him? Or am I just tricking myself? Because the Pharisees were really good at this. In uh, chapter 23 of Matthew, Jesus lays into the Pharisees and he calls them a hypocrite over and over and over and over again. And we say, yeah, they were hypocrites. They said, you know, don't do this. It's like we get this picture of like, I don't floss every day, but my dentist tells me to. But he doesn't floss every day, so shine him, right? That guy's a hypocrite. And that's not the idea that Jesus is talking about. He says, you hypocrites, meaning, hey, you actors. You know the right things to say. You know the right things to act and, and do. But your heart is far from me. And man, I have to check myself, man. Because I do know the right things to say. I do know how to make it look like I'm doing awesome. Yeah, you know, I'm going through trials. But, you know, you know Christ is right there with me, you know. And, and sometimes we need to double check ourselves because we, we fool ourselves so easily. And the way we do that is are we loving one another? Are we carrying each other's burdens? And, and if we're seeing that connectiveness between believers and be, be, between human beings, then yeah, I can say, yeah, no, I think, I, am, I think I'm in the clear. Me and God are good. I'm there. I'm connected to Him because I'm connected to the people around me. This is so vital because we, we, we start to think that, that God came just to, you know, be with us. To, to make us grow closer with Him. We think that like Christ came to save Christians or something. But He came to save the lost and for us to be connected to them. And how are we going to reach out to the lost if there's not a connectivity? So many people are just going to look at Christians and go, oh, they just have the exact same life as everybody else. You go, no, I have a support group because I can't do it alone. The scripture that Paul says in Galatians says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. So what does God want you to do? His law, right? He says, do my thing and you're good to go. And that's taking on one another's burdens. That is being there for one another when we need each other. And then he says this in uh, Thessalonians. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you also are doing. So take on each other's burdens. Help each other. Build one another up. That's what he's saying. This is the model for, for, for Christian living. 
And you're like, oh, I got it. That's all I need to do. It's that simple. It really is. If, if we're taking care of each other, because we need it. Now, there's a story about these miners in, in Pennsylvania back in 2002. And they're mining, and they're like 240 feet down or something, which is like a mile and a half from the surface of the miner. Okay, they're doing their thing. And they're getting really close to this abandoned mine. And it's good that it's abandoned because there's 50 million gallons of water that rush in and trap these miners. Okay? And they're, they're, they're stuck down there. And the opening for them, get this, it's really small. It's like four feet tall. They're stuck in this thing. And it's 18 feet wide. And the kicker is that they're in 55 degree water. Now, 80 degree water is cold. And I get all shivery and I want to jump in the hot tub because it's 80 degrees. I'm freezing. So 55 degrees is really cold. And there's these, um, these helpers helping, trying to save them. And uh, it took them like 200 different people to try to get these nine guys out. And they did after 77 hours. That's a long time because they had to be awake, I'm assuming, that whole time. Um, and it's really cold. And about the one hour mark, I guarantee you, I'd be like, done. You guys are just going to have to be eight people in here now. And um, the thing that, that was so amazing about it was very, very early on, this group said, we're going to live together and, or we're going to die together. One or the other. We're in this for the long haul together. Now, I'm sure each one of them had their own family. They had their own things they wanted to do after they got out of the mine. They had their own agenda. But in that particular setting, they said, nope, we're in this together. We are going to live or die together. I like the live part, but, but if you guys die, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it on my own. That would be my approach. But, but they, they decided very early on, we are all in this together. And what ended up happening is so, so amazing, is that when one person would be cold, which I would assume would be everybody, but they said when one person would get cold, they would huddle around that one person and keep that one person warm. And the person on the outside, again, he's like, man, I'm getting cold. Then they'd huddle around that person. This is going on for 77 hours, and they're keeping each other warm, and, and, and they're taking care of each other's needs. And they talked about people would start losing heart and say, I, I can't do this anymore. You know, it's been... Five hours. It's been 10 hours. It's been 24 hours. It's been however many hours long that we've been going through this. I can't do it anymore. And when one person would start feeling like that, the other eight would build them up. They said, no, we're in this together. No one can lose heart. Okay, that person's back up and running. And then someone else, oh, I can't do this anymore. It's ridiculous. No. So they, they kept on building each other up. And I think that is the, the picture that we need to think about when we're talking about life. How can we go through this thing we call life together? Because we, we're building each other up. We're taking care of each other's needs. Some other guy said this, to bear one another's burdens simply means to help each other along. Oh, cool. If you see your fellow leaning, I think fellow is funny, prop them up. If you see him stumble, um, help them get their footing. If they fall, pick them up. When we actually see each other going through hard times, we've got to do something. We've got to be there and, and, and catch it. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we're in relationship, if we're in, in groups. Our church is growing, which is fantastic, because we want to see more and more people 
come into relationship with Christ. We want to see more and more people taken care of on a physical level. But, if we just attend church, we're going to fall through the cracks. Because as we grow, it's going to be easier and easier to come, sing some songs, listen to the message, go, good job, Pastor John, and take off. And we're going to lose that connect. We're not going to be in a mindset that says, hey, we can spur one another on. Hey, my burdens are being taken care of. I'm taking care of so-and-so else's burdens. This isn't a ploy to say, hey, come to my group or go to some other group. But it is to find some sort of small group that fits your needs. Whether it be the young couples group or whether it be a men's group or a women's group or a basket weaving group. Even though we don't have a basket weaving group, you say, I'm passionate about basket weaving and I'm passionate about God. And you find other people who are passionate about basket weaving and passionate about God and get together and connect. Because we need each other. We need to be in in relationship where we can spur one another on, where we can do these things, or else it's just empty words. Is this this all clicking? We're finding this? Sweet. I got a head nod. And that's, that's, that's what you need sometimes. You just need a head nod. Um... So as the worship band returns, I've got another scripture for you. It's out of Hebrews. It says, um, Let love for your fellow believers continue and be a fixed practice with you. Never let it fail. Let me read that again. Let love for your fellow believers continue and be a fixed practice with you. Never let it fail. He's saying, your, your love towards one another has to be a rock. It has to be as constant as gravity. Because if we're going to if we're going to put ourselves out there and we're going to start saying to one another, hey, we're, I, I'm, I'm trusting in you to, to carry my burdens, then, then that needs to be taken on with, with, with faith that they can do it. One last thing. Here's the kicker. If we don't give up those, uh, those burdens to somebody else, then we're going to end up carrying two burdens. So we need to be in a relationship where we're able to give of our burdens as well. And we're able to take on their burdens because then there's this, there's this levels of playing field and we're all in this together. It's not, give me your burdens, give me your burdens, give me your burdens, give me your burdens. But I think it draws us right back to this Hebrews verse. It says, let your love for your fellow believers continue and be a fixed practice with you. Never let it fail. <laughs>